Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome to another edition of Centurion Faith, the podcast that helps the believer in Jesus Christ to seek the kind of faith that makes him marvel. As you know, this podcast is based on um, a scripture that I think everybody knows by now by heart, and that is um, Hebrews 11.6, and it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe not only believe that he exists, but that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so I just thank you for listening to this podcast and being a diligent seeker of God and also somebody who wants to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is what pleases him. It's just absolutely amazing to see all the verses that Jesus, uh, where Jesus, um, commended people for their faith just maybe next time you're reading through the book of john or any of the gospels um you can just take a look and see how many times you can find where jesus said great is your faith you know woman great is your faith right uh but uh anyway i just have a quick uh hopefully short message for you today and the title of the message is is god's love unconditional is God's, actually it's, is God's love really unconditional? Is God's love really unconditional? Question mark. Um, and before people get too excited, I know you probably, the answer to that question is already screaming right now in your heart, maybe out of your mouth saying yes. <laughs> and you're right. That is the answer. So I will not leave anybody in suspense, but of course, God's love is unconditional. God is love. And, um, the greatest expression of that love is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's anybody, whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. First John 4.10 says that it's not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, you know, the atoning sacrifice for for our sins. First John 2, 2 says it's not only our sins, but he was the atoning sacrifice for, for the sins of the entire world. That's past, present, future. All sins were laid on the body of Jesus Christ, buried in the ground. And when he was raised to new life by the Spirit, we were raised up with him. And the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's amen to the atoning sacrifice Jesus gave for all sin, for all humanity. By one offering, he has perfected forever those that are being sanctified, those that have put their faith in Christ. That's Hebrews 10.10 through 10.14. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God, now expecting that his enemies would become his footstool for by one offering he has perfected, past tense, he has perfected forever those that are sanctified, that are made holy. God sees the end from the beginning. God is outside of time. He sees the finished work of Jesus Christ in you. He sees what happens at the end when we finally lay these bodies down and we get a new body, a new glorified body at the resurrection a new soul, a new mind that's not so messed up with all its thoughts. But our spirit is the part of us that's born again, the part that stays intact even right now. He's sealed his spirit with our spirit 
Ephesians 1.13, the moment we put our faith in Christ, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And we receive this promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians 3.14, we have the Holy Spirit by believing we have the Holy Spirit because God says, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And whoever abides in him, whoever believes this word, that we have the Holy Spirit. How, how do we know that we have the Holy Spirit? 1 John 4, 13 asks that question. How do we know that we abide in him and he abides in us? And then it answers the question. It says, because he's given us his spirit. We just have to believe that. As a believer, we have been given the Holy Spirit. First, First Corinthians six seventeen says, he that is joined with the Lord is one spirit with him, not one flesh, not one soul, but one spirit. We've been sealed with God. His seal is set on us and he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. But I think experiencing the love of God is is what we're gonna talk about today and the unconditional love of God. And I'll say this, is God's love for us really unconditional? Yes, it is. But our love towards God is conditional. And there's a couple uh, scriptures I'm going to key on that I just started seeing yesterday. It's like I'm seeing them for the first time. And that is, and these are Jesus's words in red letters in John 14, 15, and then in 15, 14. So in John 14, um, 15, this just kind of shows us how God's love how his presence is made manifest, how the Holy Spirit is manifested, how Jesus is manifested today, here and now on this earth. Jesus says this, I'm gonna go back before I read 1415, which is a scripture I'm really gonna put a finer point on, but I'm gonna read first John 14, 12. Keep in mind, these are words that Jesus left us before he, as he was heading for the cross. He saw the cross the joy that was set before him. He knew he was going to endure the cross for our sakes, for our joy, for our complete atoning, atonement. But in 1412, Jesus says, verily, verily, anytime the Lord says that, truly, truly is what that means. I say unto you, and this is you, he, and this is you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. He says it twice in two different verses. Isn't that amazing? We just have to ask God, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. When we ask or pray, you could say for a need that we have for ourselves or for somebody else. And we see God move up on that situation and see the Holy Spirit move. Then God is glorified in you when you pray through the Holy Spirit's power and presence. Jesus is glorified. That's what the Bible says, that the Holy Spirit has come to reveal Christ in us, to show people, yes, Christ is real, risen and alive. 1 Corinthians 4 Seven says we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are the jars of clay. 
that hold his presence and his power. God needs a body and that body is the body of Christ. That's all of us collectively. Individually, yes, we have Christ living in us, but collectively as a body, we make up the whole body of Jesus Christ. Somebody's an elbow, somebody's an arm, somebody's a leg, somebody's an eye. We all have our part in the body. And when we come together, fellowship together, stick together as believers, we start to see Christ being formed in us individually and then God's ultimate goal collectively. It's amazing. This is 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. Think of the number 12 as a number of government, 12 disciples, 12 tribes of Israel. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12 are all about God's government through his body and that body is you and I. Amazing truths. But anyway, I'm going to key on the next verse in John. Again, I'm keying today on John 14, 15, and then flip those numbers around, 15, 14. But here's 14, 15. And this is about God's love being conditional or, or unconditional towards us, but our love towards him being conditional. Listen to this. If you love me, this is not about him loving us. We know he loves us. He is love. He can't do anything but love us. But he's, at, he's saying here, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray to the Father and he shall give you the comforter who will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him and it doesn't know him. But you know him for he dwells with you and he shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Wow. When we obey God's commandments, his love is made manifest in us. It is shown. It is, uh, I guess the best word I can say is it's manifested in us when we keep his commandments. And his commandments, if you want to sum up all of the commandments of God, they're summed up several different places in in the um, Old Testament and the New where Jesus says, that um, that the summation of the law and the prophets, the whole word of God, the whole counsel of God is, is, is love one another. As I have loved you, so too must you love one another. And love is the fulfillment of the law, the Bible says in Romans 13.10. So when we put others first, if you go to like uh, Matthew, I think it's 7.12, where Jesus says, um, he says that... Uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. For this sums up the law and the prophets, right? The whole Bible is summed up in this, putting others first, loving others. It's being like God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. First John 4, 10 again says, it's not that we love God, it's that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. When we reflect God's kind of love, we put others first. That's our pronoun. <laughs> our pronoun is others. When we think of others, put others first. Isn't it amazing in your life when you go out of your way like the Samaritan did to help somebody? When you see somebody that's battered and beaten by life, thrown down in the gutter, beaten, busted and disgusted, and you stop what you're doing to help them and minister, isn't it amazing how you start to see and feel and experience the love of God? 
That's all this is talking about. If you love me, you keep my commandments. God is holy, righteous, and just, and every word of his is pure. If we abide in him and his words abide in us, we can ask what we will and it'll be done for us. That's John 15, 7. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. If we just obey, when, when did obedience become a bad word? How Those of you that have children, don't you love children that obey? People that have multiple children, it's amazing. Sometimes they'll say, you know, we're not supposed to have a favorite, but this young one, I've got three kids and the youngest one is my favorite. I had somebody tell me that the other day and I'm, I won't give up their name. But they said, I, had, I hate to say it, but this one's my favorite. Well, you know what? It's always the one that's obedient. It's the one that does what he's told. Isn't an obedient child wonderful? God feels the same way about us. But the thing is, God set this whole thing up that if we, if we just obey and do what he says in his word, his word is not grievous, grievous the Bible says. Like which, even if you look at the Ten Commandments, which of the commandments is so offensive that they have to be removed from all the public places? And you don't even see the Ten Commandments anymore. It used to be in the schools, but now you can't even have it in the schools. But I ask this question, which of the Ten Commandments is so offensive? Don't steal. Don't sleep with your neighbor's wife. Don't lie. Don't murder. I mean, which commandment is so offensive? It's amazing how lost we are without God. John 15, 14 is the second one I want to key on. You are my friends if you do whatever I command of you. You are my friends if you do whatever I command of you. God has said we're his friends already. God doesn't wobble back and forth and vacillate in his love towards us or his friendship towards us. But if we want to become a friend to God, we have to love that same way and we want to keep it if we keep his commandments we actually we actually love god more and we become a better friend to god and to others if we just do what he says nothing in this bible is offensive it's all good every word of god is pure Proverbs 35, every word of God is just so pure. Let me read that. I didn't plan on reading that, but that's just powerful. I saw that the other morning. Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30, verse 5. I love the word. I wish I could eat this Bible. I love God's word. It's so awesome. Some mornings it's like drinking out of a, trying to drink out of a fire hose. I got to tell God, just turn down the water to a, uh, drip so I can get some of this water of the word in me. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is flawless and he is a shield to those that take refuge in him. Brothers and sisters, when we obey God's commandments, it doesn't make God love us anymore. He cannot love you any more than he already does. He cannot love you any less than he already does. But when we obey his commandments, his love is manifested. It's made real. His presence is made real. We feel and know that God is with us. We experience God in us, Christ in us, when we do what he says and keep his commandments. And it makes us love God more. The, pro 
The problem here isn't God's love towards us, it's our love towards God. When we obey God, we see and experience through the Holy Spirit's powerful presence, the love of God and the hair on our arm stands up and we just cry sometimes. We just experience his reality by obedience. Obedience is not a bad word. The devil's tricked us out of that word. It's a beautiful, wonderful word like holiness, like sanctification. Obey his commandments and we will love him more. When we do what he says, we'll be a better friend to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hope you're getting this. I want to close just by asking you to look at John 14, 15, 15, 14, and asking God to reveal this to you so that you can become a better friend to God and to others and you can love God the way he, you can love him back and experience more of his unconditional love towards you. God bless you.